Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. Early Learning Podcast. I'm Jeff Johnson coming to you from Upstairs Studio in the Snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico with me from Newcastle, New South Wales, in the Australia, Nicole Halton from Inspired EC. How you doing, Nicole? G'day, mate. I'm great. I've got some Aussie slang for you. Oh, okay. Give me some more slang. Okay. Well, it's kind of a test. Okay. What does it mean if you say to someone, you've got Buckley's? You've got Buckley's? Yeah. You've got Buckley's. I think that would be you're wearing those old timey shoes with buckles on them. No, it means you've got no chance. You've got Buckley's. How the fuck does that mean you've got no chance? Not a clue, but that's what it is. It's like Buckley's chance of doing that. You know, it's yeah. Don't know. Don't know where it comes from. Is Buckley a guy? I'm not sure. One of your former presidents or something? No, I don't think so. Next huh. one, we've got one for one of our former pre- or prime ministers, but yeah, it's it's not a pretty one. Um, but the next one's crack the shit. What 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 crack the shits? Yes. Crack, crack the <laughs> crack the shits. Um, that okay. We we actually had an episode about this, listeners. If you go back into the archives, there's an episode where uh, co-host Kristen talked about uh, her son being constipated and making a a poop that was the size of his forearm, and she had to get in there and and break it up to flush it. And so that's what you that's what you got to do if you if you if you fill the toilet bowl and <laughs> you, you think there's going to be problem flushing, you gotta you gotta crack the shit so that you can flush it. No, no, it means no. you're just getting angry. If you crack the shits, it's like you're having a huff, you're getting angry, getting annoyed. Having crack a huff? Shits. Yeah, having a huff. There you go. Having a huff. I've got to write that down. I like that one. I'm going to start having using the having having a huff. Okay, I'm um, batting. Although we changed, we changed it a little bit for our teenage son, and it's because um, he's a Harry Potter fan. So we'll say, are you having a huff or puff? So <laughs> same sort of deal. Um. And the last one for you is to carry on like a pork chop. Carry on like a pork chop. Um, that's when you keep doing what needs to be done, but you cover yourself in barbecue sauce. No, but that would be great. No, it is just to be over dramatic. Like, you know, if you're having a real over dramatic moment about something, you're carrying on like a pork chop. Like, um, and you'd say, you know, you might say to someone who's having a have a half you're carrying on like a pork chop stop carrying on like a pork chop oh i i had a pork chop the other day and it just kind of laid there they it don't didn't carry on yeah <laughs> i don't i mean it didn't carry on any more than any of the other food it uh, no. we, 
In yet, in yet another Australia files, there's three really interesting, who knows where they come from, Australianisms. I know where they come from. Australia has, um, look, there's there's a a a brewing revolution going on here in the states. We got a lot of a lot of microbreweries popping up and brewing some stronger oh. beer. But I think traditionally Australia has has had much stronger beer than the oh, U.S. Okay. And I think that might be the reason. It's the fact that you're all drunk all of the time. That could be that could be part of it. I think a lot of these actually, and look, I didn't give you some of the worst ones, but there is a lot that revolve around drinking as well. So yeah, I think you could be right. I, I can't imagine. Um, thank you for those. I'm gonna having a huff is gonna work its way into my vocabulary. Um, I, I feel like that's what I do half the time here on the podcast. Uh, Nicole, I've got a I've got a scone update. Okay. So, uh, so, so in recent episodes, I mentioned I, I started baking bread and that's been going really well. I've, 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 I've made, you know, look, it gets better every time I got my, I'm raising, my yeast is rising and I'm, 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 I'm doing all the dough stuff and it's been lots of fun. Then I decided I was going to make scones to try something different. Right. Um, except I, I shared, uh, couple episodes ago with uh carol that uh first time i made the scones i instead of baking powder for whatever reason i got cornstarch out of the cabinet and put oh. cornstarch in instead of baking powder and so my scones didn't didn't rise uh they still tasted okay they're a little bit dense but they they didn't rise and so uh so I had to follow up and you know what, when you use the right ingredients, when you follow the actual recipe, <laughs> things turn out better. And so I made some uh, uh, cranberry scones because Tasha wanted cranberry. Ooh. I tried The first one has been blueberry. So I did the cranberry scones turn out really, really good, I think. And uh, we devoured them. And so then we were out of scones. And so I had to make more scones. And then I got a little bit crazy cranberry chocolate chunk oh yum yeah yeah so uh so i i took my 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 dried cranberry bits and and my chocolate chunks and, and i put them in the freezer so that they because you got to freeze your butter when you're making scones too that's a big thing you got to freeze your butter and then oh, and then oh, grate it and then uh ah they turned out really good but but then now we ate all those scones again and now we're out of scones so I don't know what to do next. Maybe maybe blueberry chocolate cranberry chunk or mm. any suggestions? No, look, I'm partial to anything with chocolate in it. Um, I'm just trying to think what would be good. Oh, look, some of the best ones that I've had here, and just for the record, that well, actually, maybe not in all parts of Australia, but we typically call them scones. Um, same thing, though. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's a Newcastle thing too, because we have a suburb, well, like a town not far from here that's called Scone. So maybe it's just to differentiate. I don't know. But, um, we have wattle seed. The best ones I've had have got, had wattle seed in them. Now that's going to be a difficult ingredient for you to find there because you don't have wattle. What, what does a wattle seed look like? Well, they're just like little tiny seeds, little brown seeds. I don't know, but in these scones, they were amazing. And then you topped the scones with wattle seed and vanilla flavored cream. So just like mm. a heavy cream 
with sure. this wattle seed and vanilla extract. Perfection. Oh, well, Tasha just informed me that that my next my next batch are going to be blueberry chocolate chunks chunk scones. Yeah, so. Oh, now she says lemon cranberry. Hey, Ooh, passion yeah. fruit, lemon passion fruit. Oh, passion fruit. Good. Oh, yeah, they had some dried passion fruit at the store the other day. Mm, hey, listeners, if you've got any thoughts on uh, on scone making or bread making or other baking related things, uh, go over to myplayhaven.com, register, message me, make a post. I want to hear about it because. Uh, um, I, I, I've decided I, I need, I need more part of my, my weightlifting routine now involves more carbs, uh, because apparently it helps, uh, helps build muscle and helps with recovery when you're feeling sore. So gotta, gotta introduce more baked goods into my, my diet. So I need your recipes. Um, so let's get into this. This is our last in our series of supporting pre-early learning math skills, I forgot what the series is called, and I didn't write it down before we started recording. But this is this is episode number ten in that series, and I want to spend some time talking about sorting and patterning and ordering and comparing um, mm-hmm. as as activities in in preschool settings because uh, it turns out that these are these are all pre formal math skills kids need and can develop and they are they're very playful and they almost happen on their own if you create a thoughtful environment that is i think mostly full of loose parts so thoughts where do we where should we jump in yep no uh, look it is it's all about the loose parts (laughs) you know and i think we've said that with most of these math episodes possibly but yeah very very loose parts heavy yeah and i i think you know even when it comes to your sorting and patterning and whatever this might be where some of your smaller more intricate kind of loose parts come in as opposed to your you know bigger outdoory kind of thing um but you know for me it was buttons um were always a big one in terms of sorting and patterning and comparing and whatever i can remember um, when I was growing up, my mum had, and I think she's still got it, and it's an old biscuit tin, but it's filled with buttons and all different colours, all different sizes, different texture, different, you know, patterns on them and, you know, all all that. Sort of, and I loved sorting that tin of buttons. And I just think that's such a simple thing to have available to children. And that, for me, was plenty of time well spent. So, so something like that, beautiful, simple, done. I I remember my, my grandmother had the same thing. Nan, Nan is Australian for grandmother, right? Nan? Nan? Well, no. look, we have Which lots. We have, my kids have Nan and they have Granny and they have, um, uh, we had great grandma. So yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, that it's one of those old ladies that were yeah. in the family. Nan, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so I I remember frail I remember old lady, being, yeah, yeah, one of those frail <laughs> old ladies. Um, I, but I remember the same thing, the 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 same probably a different brand of biscuits, but the the metal tin full of buttons, yep. and and I'm 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 almost assured that Tasha's grandmother had the same thing. Um, are are do look your kids are getting older? Do I'm not you, old enough yet to have a tin of buttons. 
Okay, well, he's the reason long, I don't have a tin of buttons. It, how long does it take to collect that tin of buttons, though? Well, it is going to take a while. Here's why I don't have a tin of buttons. Uh-huh. I can't sew. I can't sew. So I don't. I have no need for keeping the buttons because I can't sew. So the buttons either go over to my mum's to go in her button tin to mm-hmm. one day be sewn onto my children's clothes when they lose a button or they just end up, you know, shoved at the bottom of a drawer somewhere and we forget all about them. I, I feel like I need a tin of buttons, I, but I kind of feel like once I have a tin of buttons, have I crossed old lady territory? Well, you, I I'm mean, you, sure. it, or is it just that it's my emerging tin of buttons? It's my, my small steps towards old lady territory. Well, I just think you need to start working on collecting this tin of buttons now so that so you don't fail your future grandchildren. Yeah, true. So you true. need to you need to you need to find a tin, go on mm-hmm. on uh online and find an antique tin. Maybe there's one in your mom's basement where she's got her she look, she she's probably got an auxiliary backup tin of buttons by now, maybe. Um Possibly. Maybe, you got to find one of those tins, and then every time you go over to her place for trivia night or whatever, um, you've got to just t- take two or three of her buttons, and yeah, and start, start smuggling them out. Yeah, start smuggling them out to add to your own <laughs> tin. You also need to have a have a have a heart to heart talk with her about about what's going to happen. You know, has she has she left you that tin of buttons in her will? Mm-hmm. And and then hearkening back to our episode on frailty, you're going to have to assess her frailty level. Um, so because when I might get those buttons, yeah, because because if <laughs> your grandkids show up and she's still she's still hardy, um, she's going to have she's going to hold on to those buttons for her great grandchildren, and mm-hmm. you're going to be buttonless. So yeah, <laughs> um, maybe I I figured what I should do is I reckon I could get to um, a thrift shop and. I could probably, there's probably like a button starter set. Sure. I feel sure. like you can actually get one pre made. And so that's kind of the starter set. And then I can just start adding my own buttons over time. Yeah. Because if you don't sew and buttons are falling off, you've got, you, then you'll have a place to put them. So yeah, that's you got to get to the the second ham shop and get that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, that container, that cookie tin and, uh, and, and start building that collection. Um, listeners, you need to do the same because buttons are great for sorting and comparing and ordering and organizing. Um, I mean, that's the whole episode, right? You need a tin of buttons. Tin of buttons. Tin of buttons, you've got it sorted. No, I think there's other things like beading is a really good one, particularly with like your, you know, your older children, preschoolers. Um, I know, um, my two girls love beading and, you know, they, they're often making different things key rings and bracelets and window hangings and whatever but it is a lot of it's about finding the right bead and I need a bigger bead I need this color and you know they then start to develop patterns and you know I'm going to go green blue yellow green blue yellow and then I'm going to put this bead in the middle and whatever so I think beading often offers a good opportunity for children to do that kind of thing as well um you know any of those sort of small fiddly loose parts like you know your lids like off bottles of milk or um, juice bottles or whatever like all the little round plastic lids that you can collect they're really Mm -hmm. good for sorting and classifying and patterning and you know all that kind of stuff putting them in order um yeah I think anything like that um offers potential I can remember when I first started in early childhood we had like these counters 
and you know they were things that were sold commercially through like one of the big toy companies um and they were all little colored teddy bears and I'm like why do we have these colored teddy bears and they're like oh they're for sorting and you know for putting in color like colored things and you know we'll go oh here's a blue basket and you put all the blue ones in there and I'm like oh my gosh that's so boring and prescriptive a tin full of buttons you can still do the same kind of thing but you've got to actually let children do that let them lead it like it shouldn't be here's the buttons and here's a, a colored different colored bolt now here's your you know you have to sort the buttons but children will naturally be drawn to that sort of thing we don't really need to push it I think you said that right at the start you know when we provide the right environment we provide the right materials they are naturally drawn to you know I, I think as humans we're naturally drawn to sort and organize and make sense of things so, yeah, so so if if there are the things in the environment they can they can interact with most kids you know three to four two and a half to five someplace in that window they get interested in mm -hmm. materials and how materials are the same and how they're different and how to how to organize and classify and sort different materials and and I, I think you're right I, I think the the tiny stuff really does um lend itself to this kind of activity I think Legos are are great another mm. great one because a lot of kids before they start building structures they'll sort them they'll sort you know the the one p the the ones and the doubles and and all of the have them all organized by color or shape or whatever before they the, before they start building their their thing but I think also this is an opportunity for some of that heavy work that is is so important if you're trying to to avoid things like physically frail kids. Um, so big rocks and log slices and and branches and those kind of things that you can <clears throat> haul around and organize and and compare and contrast and out in your out in your um, play. It's usually outside stuff with those big things, but so that big stuff can come in handy there too. And then you get the, a little bit of that that heavy work in there as well. Even things like, um, you know, I like uh, bowls and baskets and stuff that have got sections in them or, um, you know, like it might be a basket with four different sections in it. And mm -hmm. it's not about saying to the child, right, now go and find, you know, different things. to. It's just providing that. That in itself says put, the, put things in here. Now, for some yeah. children that will be just dump everything in whatever basket but sure enough there are children who naturally go oh I'm going to put all the red leaves in this part and I'm going to put all the green leaves in this part or I'm going to put all the big you know gum nuts in this section and I'm going to put mm -hmm. the smaller stones in this section or whatever and they do naturally start to do that so you know investing in some of those kind of containers like you know baskets bowls you know um, muffin tins are great whatever yes muffin tins are perfect um, and all of that stuff you can get, you know, secondhand or you can get through donation. You know, you ask families, have you got any old muffin trays that you don't use anymore? And, you know, nine times out of ten, you'll get some. Um, but, yeah, secondhand shops are great for finding those sorts of interesting things for sorting as well. I once found a, um, a toast slice rack. Have you ever seen those? Oh, sure. <laughs> got yeah, like the metal ones that you can stand mm -hmm. up slices of toast in. And I once found those and we had – um, one of our families had donated a big box. He worked for a kitchen company and he donated a big box of like laminate bench top samples. So they were like these, you know, squares that were kind of 
you know, small-ish and the children spent so much time sorting and organising in these toast racks and it was like the most unusual combination but just even that box of samples was amazing for sorting and classifying and, you know, putting in order and, you know, making patterns with and all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, thinking outside the box a little bit, it's not about having to buy a whole bunch of math materials. You know, most of the math materials I think that are on, you know, that are marketed are probably unnecessary. Yeah. Well, and speaking of boxes, boxes work great too. Uh, having yes. a variety for, for, if you're looking at uh, uh, storing and organizing and, and uh, manipulating bigger stuff, cardboard boxes are great for this. Also yeah. for bigger things, um, having, having some hula hoops that you can put down on the ground mm-hmm. when they're sorting big things, because they, 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 a lot of kids, they like a place to put things. Um, so, so hula hoops work good for that, but also um, depending on your surface, uh, things like uh, uh, hunks of rope that you can lay out in a rectangle or whatever, um, or sidewalk chalk if you've got concrete or asphalt, mm-hmm. or 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 what was the other one that was in my head and then fell out? Oh, if it, if it's a the sandbox or sandpit or, or dirt pile or whatever like that, just using a stick to to draw circles or rectangles that that this goes here and this goes here, kind of kind of giving giving each thing they're sorting its its home. Uh, that can kind of help them help them with that organization and uh, and it gives you a chance to have, create bigger spaces for bigger bigger things. Yeah, and that's it. And I think in terms of you know our role in that you know as educators, it's really more just that setting the environment up to enable that, and also that our interactions kind of support that. So when we see children, you know, and it kind of links with the whole schema play stuff but we see children transporting things from one part of the space to another or whatever often we're quick to jump on it and be like oh those don't belong over there you know we have those over here but we can miss what they're doing with that you know like they might be doing some of that you know classifying and organizing and you know and and we miss it because we jump in on it too quickly and then we go oh now I need to go and teach them to sort things <laughs> yeah. it's like well you don't because they were just sorting them you know it's just yeah. that you stopped it because they weren't doing it in the way that you thought it should look and so it's like being attuned to it and sort of seeing what they're doing before you step in and you know I mean that's that goes for all of that kind of moving around of stuff I think we're too quick to jump on children for moving things around when actually moving things around is really valuable yeah, yeah, we, because you're 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 building these cognitive skills at the same time you're building physical skills. Absolutely. And and um, you know why not why not take advantage and and do both? Why I mean yeah. why not? So why I thought not? we should. Yeah, I thought we I break down the definitions of of these terms. Um, so mm-hmm. comparing involves examining two or more items to determine how they are similar, different, or the same pretty pretty basic so so really ordering and patterning and sorting are are all forms of comparing mm. and um so you're looking for those relationships and and so it might be you might be comparing them by size or color or shape or weight or there's all kinds of ways we can compare things yeah. and and um you know for younger kids it's usually probably a color or shape thing that they start with but as as kids get they refine their skills at comparing. They start comparing mm. a, a wider variety of things 
and different different aspects of those things because it's a it's a skill right they 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 yeah. they start with the base the things that are easier to notice and uh, move on from there when you're when you're when you're real young and you compare uh any four-legged animal is is a dog yeah. or <laughs> or a cat depending on what you what you're more familiar <laughs> with and then and then as you get older you you tell you learn to tell the difference between dogs Ooh. and cats and elephants um, because you, well, you even kind the of... same as like birds, you know, for sure. children, birds are birds are birds, and then as time goes on, they start to identify different types of birds, and and even within different types of birds, there can be different types again, you know. Like we've got um, outside of my daughter's bedroom at the moment, third year in a row, um, a family of minor birds have nested in her tree, and you know they're currently sitting on a couple of eggs, and so it's all very exciting but there's two different types of minor birds and she's starting to know that these ones are the native minor birds. And so, you know, we're happy for them to be in the tree because they're not evil. Um, and there's another type. And, you know, so it's not just now that it's a minor bird, but it's a native minor bird. So you kind of go down that, you know, like stepping, I don't know if it's down or up, but, you know, like as, as you kind of deepen that knowledge and that understanding that and, you know, being able to identify the differences between them to be able to compare them to go, okay, well, they're slightly different colored or their beak looks a little bit different or, you know, they move in a different way or they nest in a different way or whatever, you know, that's that more complex thinking. Yeah. Yeah. A year ago and we just, we moved to the beach. Um, I, I talked about it back then. Um, there were, there were two kinds of beach birds. There were beach chickens and there were beach ducks. The beach chickens <laughs> didn't have webbed feet. The beach ducks had webbed feet. Um, and that's the only, that's all I knew about beach birds. And, and now as, as time's gone by, I, I've, I've, I've learned a little bit more. Um, you know, I got my, my least turns and I've got my ospreys and I've got my eagles and I've got my, I've got my blue herons and I've got, oh man, there are so many kinds of turns. And, uh, but, um, so comparing, you get better at it as you practice yeah. and you, you kind of focus in. So sorting refers to the process of arranging elements or data in specific order, um, typically based on uh, a defined criteria or rules. And so the you, maybe you've got a, a container full of, of little, little Hot Wheel matchbox cars, whatever, those tiny little cars, and maybe you're sorting the Maybe you're sorting them, the cars in one pile and the trucks and, and another pile. And maybe the next day you're sorting them by um, whether by their color and you've got a bunch of containers and you're putting all the yellow ones in one container and the red ones in another. And maybe the next time you sort them, you're sorting them by, by something less, um, more esoteric by this one's my favorite. And these ones are the ones I like and these are the ones I don't like. Um, yeah. And so the 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 way we sort things kind of grows and evolves as as time goes on. I remember my, when my son was little, he he had all kinds of these little cars, and and one day we hear a lot of smashing going on, and he sorted between the ones he he wanted to keep and the ones he didn't, and the ones he didn't want to keep anymore were he was he was smashing with a hammer um, because <laughs> because I don't need those now. <laughs> he didn't he didn't care about them anymore. And so patterning is um, patterning involves uh, identifying and recognizing regular or repeated sequences um, in in objects or or data or information. Um, you know, just just when kids realize 
that the sun comes up in the morning and goes down at night, um, you know, that being a differentiating between day and night, recognizing that pattern, recognizing mm -hmm. the pattern patterns in their day that, you know, we wake up and we, we eat breakfast and we get dressed and we get in the car and we go to childcare and then we do all our things during the day. And then later in the day, mom comes and picks us up and, you know, whatever it is, they start seeing those, those patterns in, in their routines. And so it's not just about, finding finding patterns um in in with the physical objects they're playing with well, it's about... it can be in language you know there's patterns sure. in language and you know children start to recognize those in books and songs and you know things like that and they'll start to identify those patterns and you know that's an early math skill and it's like yeah. here we are thinking we're reading a book and it's all about literacy but there's other stuff going on there as well yeah, absolutely. Playing with the the alliteration and rhymes of words um, is all that early literacy stuff, and that's important. But it, it is also uh, pre numeracy and pre math, and so yeah. and again having just having those things that they can then they can create those patterns having and and having lots of interesting stuff around where they stuff physical stuff around, but lots of interesting stuff going on so that they can start noticing um patterns as well in their in their environment and yeah. and i think patterning because this is when you get into the beading and the weaving and all that kind of stuff too um playing with with this concept maybe takes a little bit more time than than some of the others um mm. and i guess ordering does too we'll get to that in a minute but but so one of the ways we can support this is just not having the the stuff but also making sure kids that find themselves interested in these things have the time to yeah. spend on their interest because way too often we're ready to zip them off to the next thing when they're yeah. just kind of getting their thoughts together. And um, if you're, if you're new to creating patterns, it, there, there is some thinking time and some planning time and organizing time involved. Yeah, and even we see that in, you know, children's art and, you know, just anything that they're kind of working on that we might sort of see as, oh, well, you know, it ties in with the whole process of a product kind of thing, you know. It's like it yeah. is about the process of working through that, whatever that is. You know, I'm going to use the small brush with green and do a stripe of that and then I'm going to use the big brush with pink and do a stripe of that. And, you know, it's not about what I'm creating. It's about the process involved in that and the pattern that you know I might be following or starting to you know see within what I'm doing yeah 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 and then the last one we've got here is comparing and comparing involves examining two or more items to determine how they are similar or different uh oh no I, I, I'm not comparing. No, we did that one. to do ordering we're supposed to be ordering. doing ordering um I didn't do a very good job of ordering these because um comparing <laughs> is fourth on my list but I did it first so ordering Ordering refers to the arrangement of elements in a sequence according to specific rules or criteria. Criteria, so alphabetical order, uh, numeric order, um, the Dewey wow. Decimal System order. Is that <laughs> how do you? How, is that how? Is that how you arrange? How do you arrange books in the library in Australia? Dewey Decimal System. Well, they used to, but and I know when I was at high school they used to, but I recently I go to the library all the time and they typically I think they still use that system for in their own back of house stuff but typically books are organized by well the fiction books are organized by the author's last name so if I want a book by 
you know, John Smith, I go to the S section and there I'll find all the books by people whose last name begins with S. The, the non-fiction stuff is then classified by like cooking, gardening, whatever, and you just go and find what you're after. But I suppose you could probably still look it up and find the number, but I don't think people do. So when you're ordering stuff, it's best to figure out, and, and as kids practice this, they they refine this skill, it's best to figure out what what the best way to order things yeah. is. So you, there's got to be some experiment done because, you know, if you if you organize the whole library, for example, by by book Hello. color, it would be it would be hard as fuck to find what you're looking for. Or if you if you organize <laughs> them them by by size, um, <laughs> equally frustrating. Imagine. And so so building building these systems of ordering things, and I mean, uh, as things get more complex, the systems get more complex. But uh, um, so so putting things in in order is is kind of a a fun thing to play with and coming up with an order that suits lots of people because i think what makes sense for one type of brain might not necessarily make sense for another sure sure (laughs) um i mean i would be i would be perfectly satisfied ordering um all of the books i have by by size or or color because by color (laughs) <laughs> well because I, I we did a big book purge and so all the books i really I, i've got a stack of books i care about because um i know their authors and um they wrote nice things in the in the front of them for me and so I, I kept those but most of my books are on my kindle where i can i can sort and organize however i however i my, like my book loving heart cries why I can't do I can't deal with digital. Well, I listen to audiobooks, but only nonfiction. I can't listen to fiction on audio, but I just love a physical book, and I love that I love them on the bookshelf. I love a library. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm feeling. I'm we're we we get rid of all the we get rid of the books. So we have more room for important stuff on uh, on the bookshelves. Uh, uh, tequila. And uh, and dead stuff at the beach. You find at the beach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the bookshelf is full of full of tequila bottles and stuff I find at the beach. So uh, that's how <laughs> that's how we've got things sorted on the bookshelves here Fair at the enough. Snuggery. Yeah. So um, you know, have so we talked loose parts. I think another way, another place kids can 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 play with these concepts is the the arts and crafts area. If you've got a if you've got an actual process focused arts and crafts mm-hmm. area, um, they can do it in your literacy area. We talked about words um, and language, but they can also sort and classify and rearrange your books if you can. You can let go of your adult need to control things enough to <laughs> to allow that to happen. Um, they can do it when they're they're helping prepare the uh, the table for meals, where they're where they're putting out the the silverware and the plates and the and the cups and those kind of things. They they can do it with their own clothing at home. And there's lots of opportunities to play with with sorting and organizing and sorting and classifying and patterning and ordering. Um, Anything else we should throw in here before we wrap this up? No, I think that's it. That's like uh, that's ten episodes of this uh, this pre math bullshit that we've been talking about. That's like it's like, <laughs> I'm, it's like for someone who claims to not do math, I'm like I'm pretty chuffed that I've stuck it out for ten episodes. 
Yeah. Well, well, look, I, every time, every time I look at my calendar and, uh, and, and turn on the zoom and you actually show up is a, is a good day for me. Um, that's like, that's like five hours of, uh, of, of early pre-math stuff. So, uh, Hey listeners, um, anybody, any of you actually listen to all 10 of them? Um, who knows? Um, Okay, so we'll wrap this up. You can join me for Childcare Bar and Grill Happy Hour, the fourth Tuesday of the month, every month, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, USA. That's That would be the fourth Wednesday of the month at 10 a.m. if Welcome. you're on the east coast of Australia. Um, you move if any further... If you're on the west coast, no one knows. <laughs> if, you, if you move any further west than like... Uh, Newcastle or uh, or Brisbane you. or Sydney. I don't know when the fuck it is. Um, a little bit later, and, I believe, and, and or look, earlier or later. Brisbane, if you're in Brisbane in another month or two, it's going to be it's so changed here. It's and, all just thrown out of whack. Doesn't one of them only change by half an hour? So it's oh, look, who yeah. knows? I just know that hours changes and we get much longer days. It doesn't get dark till after eight o'clock at night, and it's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So join me for happy hour. You got to register. There's a link in the show notes. It's just a quick Zoom registration. You can also go over to myplayhaven.com if you want to connect and talk early learning or, you know, any of the other stuff we talk about this godforsaken pot on this godforsaken podcast. <laughs> um, this has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast, the world's longest running, most prolific and least frail early learning podcast. Back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.